Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. All right. Good. Yeah, baby. Good morning. What's happening, everybody? Welcome <laughs> back. Yeah, we're rolling, baby. You we got. We got, we got we got we got a full house. We gotta keep it rolling. All right, let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. What's happening, everybody? And welcome back to yet another episode of High at Nine News. Thank you for joining us. Not only to get high at nine with us, but um, also high noon on the East Coast. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. It's Thursday, January 26th. And today is Clashing Clothes Day, or for the world's fashion-conscious colorblind, it's Thursday. National Spouses Day. A reminder that getting married ain't as bad as the fake news media makes it out to be. Like that, Jasmine? And also International Environmental Education Day, so you can do yourself a favor and learn something new about how you too can do a better job of taking care of Mother Earth. Everyone out there watching, please like, share, hit the subscribe button, and follow. Also participate in the show by raising your hand with a brief comment on the story presented. Up first, we got the... Green street wheeling and dealing, mink coat rocking, pride jet hopping, longest continually operating retailer in the game. You can catch this dude any given day of the week smoking on the best weed in the world while ducking and dodging Gretchen Gailey's attempts to collect money on lost bets. Coming to the stage first, it is the cannabis industry's very own Kaiser Brose, my co-host and alleged partner in crime, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Man, do we got... Some spice for y'all today. But first, first, I got to gotta bring up to speed on this first story because there's some big news coming out of the Northeast Kingdom. That's right. There's a new marijuana legalization bill gets a New Hampshire hearing. That's right. The New Hampshire legislature is once again debating adult use cannabis, but efforts to legalize it still face significant hurdles. In the decades since the state legalized medical cannabis, the House has passed adult-use cannabis bills several times only to see them get killed in the Senate. Republican Governor Chris Sununu uh, also has been an, op an opponent, and, and his office said Wednesday he doesn't expect new legislation to reach his desk this year. Um, un underrated, a coalition that includes both the ACLU of New Hampshire and the conservative group Americans for Prosperity, oh, yeah, is backing a bipartisan bill to legalize the drug, regulate and tax retail operators, and allow it to be grown at home. Most of the revenue would go toward reducing the state's pension liability, with some going to substance abuse prevention programs and other groups. 
Sponsors include both Republican House Majority Leader Jason Osborne and House Democratic Leader Matt Wheelman. In a quote, they say, what are you looking what you are looking at is a result of a number of months of work by an entire coalition of groups and advocates, everything from the business side to the consumer side, the civil rights side to the economic liberty side, as well as the recovery community and people concerned about children's safety. Osborne told the, told the House Commerce and Consumer Affairs Committee, it's about time we get something done, they say. While I'm emphasized the lasting harm that the unequal enforcement of current marijuana, current marijuana laws has on people of color, the potential advantages of, le of legalization and polling that shows more than 70% of residents support it. In a quote, it's clear communities, families, retirement, uh, re retirement, security, and the economy will be stronger once we legalize cannabis in New Hampshire, he said. Opponents raise concerns about health and public safety, and Bedford Police Chief John Bofanowski, uh, speaking on behalf of an association of 160 chiefs, said marijuana legalization has increased tragedy and chaos on our highways. Oh, boy. There is nothing in this bill that will create an opportunity for law enforcement to be able to protect you and your families from marijuana-impaired drivers, he said. Bofanowski argued that the U.S. already... Um, had, had already paid a great price after having been tricked by the tobacco and pharmaceutical industries. He says, the question now is, are we going to be bamboozled by the marijuana industry? That's a decision that you will have to make, he said. But it's, but it's the men and women of law enforcement that will have to pick up the pieces, he says. Uh, Asked for the governor's position on the bill Wednesday, Senunu uh, spokesperson Ben Vishat said uh, did not answer directly. He says Governor Senunu has done more on the issues surrounding medical mar medical marijuana reform than any other governor in New Hampshire history. Vance said Senunu signed legislation decriminalizing small amounts of marijuana, expanding access to medical marijuana, and creating a system for annuling old convictions or annuling old convictions of marijuana possession but a bill to legalize adult use has never reached his desk with uh with teen drug use and overdose on the rise it is not anticipated that the legislature will see this um as a time to ignore the data and move it forward vash said so the governor's office doesn't think this is going to move forward but i'll tell you what i think the bill is going to go somewhere because you got americans for prosperity pushing it you got the aclu pushing it and you also have both leaders the republican uh, majority leader and the democratic minority leader pushing for it as co-sponsored this bill so we're going to see where this heads and this is jason beck reporting for the high at nine news hour what do y'all think new hampshire the last state to have adult use in the northeast kingdom you know, um, it's, it's... go ahead, Rico. Rico, are you with us? Rico keeps having a. He keeps having like issues there. Yeah, his, his internet keeps having a stroke. Is it is it New Hampshire that's live free or die? I yes. Mean, I don't I don't see why these people uh, would not get on board with an adult use program. Although their next door neighbors, Vermont, did not. All they have in Vermont is home grow. Um, so they have adult use in Vermont. You're no, they do not have dispensary. Are you sure? 
I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty uh, sure you're that they to, do. Since when? You're allowed to grow. Would you want to put money on this, Jason Beck? Hold on. I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to text my cousin in Vermont right now. I'm going to You're allowed him. to grow in Vermont. You're allowed to possess. You're allowed to do all those fun things. But are there adult use dispensaries in Vermont? No. Either way. We'll see. I, yeah, I Vermont think has an excellent protection of home grow. They do very well. I'm, I'm fairly certain that's all Vermont has is home grow. Um, but <laughs> Before I just talked to them and they said, they said, they said that they have it. I'm pretty sure that they do. I don't know. I just texted them and asked them, so we'll see if they respond back. Ask him, do they legally have it? Because right, he may be thinking of other things that he's doing. Um, no. well, well, you just assume that because they're related to me that they're acting in a criminal nature? <laughs> what's, up, what's, up with, uh, what's up with uh, uh, New England going so hard on the reefer madness lately? There are a bunch of Puritans up there. What do you mean? Oh, yo people. Yo My people. people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mayflower rooted. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I think they will come up. I think they will come about. I mean, you got Maine, you got Massachusetts. Everyone's driving to these other places to get what they need. I think states are finally going to get on board because they just want the money. Oh, you think it's just all about the money, huh? That's what Rico says. I'm listening to Rico. Oh. It's all about the money. Follow oh, the money. Hold on a second. You hold on. I'm, that's a soundbite right there. You just said you're listening to Rico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Gretchen, be careful with that one right there. I'm gonna get caught up for the next five minutes. I'll listen to Rico. He's for gonna love my story. He's oh. gonna get all excited and warm oh. and gushy inside about Ooh. my story. Ooh, Ooh, man. Oh. Warm, warm, warm and gushy. Warm and gushy. Mm. Warm and gushy. Mm -hmm. You better watch out. This is a National Spouse Day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Doctor Mary, you're 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 in New York. Yes, and sir. You're, you're not too far away from New Hampshire. You're actually probably closer to New Hampshire than any of us up here on the stage right now. Uh huh. What do you think about this? You think New Hampshire is going to go through it and going to be able to legalize adult use cannabis out there since they have uh, the legislature pushing so hard? Well, why not? You know, it, it, the recreational markets and generate so much money and taxes and fees and people want it. And everybody knows that it's safe. We keep gathering more data about, I mean, what was that article just this week, uh, that new uh, research about uh, codeine use and the prescription of codeine going down by 27%, right? When mm -hmm. uh, when cannabis is available medically and, and up to 36% when it's available recreationally. So people are making that choice instead of going to their doctor for, you know, um, for, uh, for their codeine. So I think it's great. I think it's a great thing to legalize and reduce the uh, prescription costs for your, for your, uh, for your state. I mean, as long as you can keep big pharma and, uh, and the insurance companies off your back while you do it. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. So with Chris yeah. Nunu, man, Chris Nunu, yeah. what's new new? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, Gretchen, Gretchen's rolling her eyes. Gretchen's rolling her <laughs> eyes. Keep it moving, Jason Back. I can't yeah. wait to get my warm and gushy for uh, for Rico. So let's oh man, I love I love the warm and gushy. I'm with it. Let's run that commercial, Adam.
Oh, yeah, that's right. Coming up next, we have the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet, who loves to spend all of his free time at the AT&T store paying for other people's bills for phones that he doesn't have access to. <laughs> loves to argue loves to argue with the staff over there and try to complain after he's paid for these phone bills for over nine months 50 months 50 months <laughs> 50 months in total like you got a month for every single state in the nation that's right yeah yeah you're not gonna get no money back and zozo's out some toys now because of this and i'm i'm disappointed <laughs> uh, i'm with the family started child child union against parents that pay other people's cell phone bills that's right it is the dope dad himself rico meat yeah man i uh, appreciate that jason and anybody on at&t man this this is a direct reflection of jason's and i's conversation last week there's some phone scams going on and um i got a business account if you have a business account um some of the workers there are adding phones to your bill and it might be a minimal cost but it adds up and um, i found out that i had another line on my account for 50 fucking months i was paying for that shit so wow. yeah you were you look the the fine print on your bill so anyways someone's trap phone was popping <laughs> real talk real talk so um anyways uh my story today is from leafly by dave howard it's a serious one so uh death of a trimmer part one a cannabis workers death went unnoticed for months uh now it's raising alarms in the industry the articles are pretty dense so i summarized it uh so i could stay within our show's time frame and 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 so uh gretchen won't holler at me and Jason after the show too. So uh, please so please read the entire article if you can. You will not be disappointed uh, with uh, with Howard's work on this one. So Laura, uh, Lorna McMurray died on January 7th, 2022 after suffering the asthma attack on the job at True Leaves Holyoke, Massachusetts facility. Prior to passing, she had been complaining about having trouble breathing for weeks after inhaling Keith in the poorly ventilated 80 square foot facility daily where her job was packing pre-rolls. McMurray's death may have been triggered by the same cannabis dust she and others were required to work through regularly. Per the article, Massachusetts regulators said nothing, and her death was, was not really known publicly for eight months, even as thousands of cannabis workers were and continue to be exposed to similar risks every single day. Lauren McMurray's death marked one of the first reported work-related fatalities in the legal cannabis industry. Leafly's marking the one-year anniversary of her passing with Death of a Trimmer, an investigative series that raises troubling questions about worker safety in the legal cannabis industry. Part one chronicles Lorna McMurray's life, tragic death, and the aftermath of the incident. Part two examines merging hazards of cannabis work and the urgent need for safety measures in an industry still in its infancy. I'll be focusing today on part one as a continuation of my first reporting on the incident last fall. Uh, where we were all appalled to hear that um, about what happened out there, and even more so that so much time had passed without any of us knowing. Lorna McMurray's stepfather, Dave Bruneau, said to, uh, said to Leafly that she was a proud consumer, genuinely interested in the, in the process of how cannabis was grown, processed, and sold. She was a high school dropout and a bit of a late bloomer, but eventually made it back to earn her diploma. She loved her job at True Leave and hoped that the regular paycheck would allow her to buy a car, get out from under her parents' roof, and move into an apartment with her friends. Toward the end of 2021, she began complaining about suffering from break, uh, break, breathing complications at work from pre-roll Keef dust that was lingering in the air. In November, she even posted a face. Oh, dear. I know you froze up again, Rico. 
Oh, man. Poor Rico. This is an important story. Can you hear me? Yeah, there we go. Now you're back. Okay. See? All right. All right. Cool. What part did I, I drop off on? That, uh... Was she gasping for air? We've been complaining for months. Yes. Okay. Complaining for months. All right. So, in November, she even, fa- uh, she even posted on Facebook about an incident that left her gasping for air. Three weeks later, McMurray followed with a post that read, I work around pounds of weed every day. And when I do pre-rolls, all the grounded bud and keef in the air triggers the asthma I didn't know I had. But I'm hoping it'll just heal itself or something. Late December 2021, she texted her stepfather, asking him to bring home one of the N95 masks that he wore on his job as a welder so that she could use it at work. Even with oh. the mask, the issues continued. And three leave employees performed CPR on her. She was rushed seven miles away to Springfield Hospital, but by the time she got there, um, by the time her mother and father arrived, she was brain dead. McMurray passed away that night, and the death certificate from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts lists Lorna McMurray's cause of death as cardiac arrest and respiratory arrest, arrest along with presumed severe asthma attack. OSHA initially reported McMurray's cause of death as occupational asthma due to exposure to ground cannabis dust before revising it months later to an employee who was packaging ground cannabis into pre-rolls at a commercial cannabis processing facility that suffered an asthma attack and later died in a hospital. Per the article, that change, which replaces causation with correlation, underlines the difficulty of the case. Asthma killed Lorna McMurray, not cannabis. Whether that asthma was triggered by cannabis dust, caused by cannabis dust, or set off by another unknown factor remains medically unproven. There's no way of knowing that. Weeks and month, months passed, and the public heard nothing about it. Federal law requires all employees to report a job-related hospitalization or death to the Federal Occupation Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, within 24 hours. TrueLeave properly notified OSHA, which sent an inspection team out to Holyoke. The company also gave proper notification to the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission. OSHA inspectors even levied a fine, but made no public announcements. Um, And then four days after uh, McMurray's death, federal OSHA investigators swept through the Holyoke facility. But the report on the incident was not published for nearly six Six months later, OSHA fined TrueLeave $35,000 for failing to provide employees with effective information and training about hazards of cannabis dust and how to prevent exposure and what signs to look for as early warnings, including coughing and shortness of breath. OSHA declined to issue a news release about <clears throat> their findings. It's very unnormal for them to do that. It's usually normal practice for the agency uh, in their national media office to publish a press release worthy uh, about newsworthy cases. They push out about 15 to 30 of them each month. In June and July last year, it notified the public about cases involving the death of a roofing contractor in Houston, a fatal fall at a frozen food factory in New Jersey, finger amputations at a pillow factory in Georgia, and a drowning at, uh, death at a golf course pond in Florida. But nothing about Lorna. Per the article, OSHA's truly fine was listed deep within a public You did it again, Rico. Rico, are you with us? Rico. Oh, connected. Man. You hear me? There we go. Yeah, now you're back. Everything's you're connected. Back. God damn it. I'm going to re-record this one to put it on our site. So just so y'all know. It'll be clear. 
So per the article, let me know if I'm dropping here. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. For the article, OSHA's truly fine was uh, listed deep within a publicly searchable agency database. But if you're not looking, there's no reason that you would. You would never know. Officials at the federal agency never made an effort to spread information about the incident. You keep on freezing up, Rico. You froze up again, buddy. Son of a biscuit. Rico, oh man, we gotta. We're probably gonna should have to we, keep this should, moving. Should we move along to? Yeah, let's let's, let's move on. Yeah, let's discuss this. Let's discuss this a bit while he while he figures. I'm out going his... to go through the entire story, but please, please, please read the entire story. I'm gonna re-record this whole thing so we can put it on our site and everything. I apologize. I didn't want to do this injustice, but it, long story short, it covers the mishandling of the case by the uh, by the Massachusetts uh, Cannabis Control um, by all the politicians involved, by the police department, by the industry, by Leave and OSHA. And they didn't even put out any releases on it until six months later. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> it was good Rick, while it lasted. It was good while it lasted, right, Nick? Well, I think we need to discuss the, the role of you know, OSHA and all these agencies and folks involved in this in this young woman's death and how, how no one stepped up to to take care of things and to actually look at, you know, what this company was doing. I think I think it's and this is going to sound terrible, but I think it's an injustice for us to keep going around saying that cannabis doesn't kill anybody. I think we need to look at the possibilities that now that we are consuming in much different ways, higher concentrations, there aren't the safety precautions in place that we need, uh, that it it could possibly happen if people are not smart about this. And clearly it has uh, in the case of this young woman. And Actually, we, there's a lot of issues here. That, there's no know, medical. She really got terrible care right from the beginning. I mean, she's she, she, she complained about this multiple times. She talked to her stepdad. Clearly, she doesn't have health insurance. And engaging the healthcare industry would have resulted in thousands of dollars of medical bills that she couldn't afford. And, and she just figured it would go away by itself or it would take care of itself. But, I mean, it didn't. And, and it just got worse and worse. I mean, the first problem here is that this employee wasn't taken care of with adequate health insurance to manage her needs. Well, and Dr. Mary, not, I mean, and I'm sure it's difficult for you to comment, not knowing this woman's whole medical history and all, but if asthma is her primary concern, could, could, you know, good health care have helped her in this situation? If figuring oh, out well, what she was inhaling? inhaling? I mean, if somebody if somebody goes into their primary care office with this complaint, they could have gotten a breathing test. You know, I used to do a pulmonary function test, not an entirely comprehensive one. If you go in the hospital, you can get in a little booth and you can do a much more comprehensive one. But right in my office, I would do pulmonary function tests, which really, you know, just measure the biggest measurement is how quickly you can exhale your air because it's an obstructive disease and you can inhale just fine, but then you can't really exhale very well. So you'll have people just breathe out as much air as they can in one second, just a deep inhalation. And then, and you can, you blow that into a tube and then you can measure how much air they're breathing out and you can almost instantly diagnose 
COPD versus asthma versus, you know, other conditions based on the on the waveform that's produced. And then you can put somebody on, you know, an, a, a, a short term inhaler to open up the bronchial tubes and then a longer term inhaler to, you know, reduce the inflammation. So had she seen a doctor a few months earlier, gotten a good ventilation, the doctor could have given some advice to the company about how to reduce her exposures you know, she, she could certainly still be alive. I mean, why did this employee not feel like she could go to the doctor? Mm -hmm. I mean, she had a full-time job, it sounds like. And, well, I'm sure well, there are benefits. I'm sure she can afford it, frankly. I'm, right. Yeah. But truly truly I mean, doesn't offer benefits to their employees? I, I don't know what TrueLeave offers their uh, employees at all. Do you know many well, uh, cannabis trimmers with benefits, Jason? Um, Actually... Maybe there's, I'm sure there's a couple. I'm sure there's some, there's some like really good trimmers that probably have some kind of benefits, but those would be employees of the actual company. And most trimmers are subcontracted through uh, other work sites uh, for, for, for most trimming facilities. But this one uh, sounds like she was actually a true leave employee, which she could have been eligible for benefits. Um, also too, on this, um, we, we cannot say that cannabis was the cause of this, uh, Gretchen, as Rico stated in the, in the beginning, there is no medical evidence of that. She had asthma and granted this could have triggered. No, no, no. She, she didn't know she had asthma and she, she didn't. There. Yeah. She did not know she had asthma until she, until she worked there. Straight I get up. it. But to keep going around pretending Never that there are no all. dangers with cannabis is silly. I, I mean, there's start looking at it. I mean, I'm just like what Benson it. said, you, know, you could die from everybody. drinking too much water. Yeah, I apologize to everybody on that. I'm going to re-record this right afterwards so we can put it on our site. Um, I apologize for that. But, um, yeah, just is is, is failure all around from all the agencies, from everybody who should have been protecting the workers. And um, it's really, really fucked up. Truly got off the hook, and they only ended up paying $15,000. And um, they're trying to suppress any. Who did they pay $15,000 to? To her, to her family? Or is this to, like, a, OSHA. a state No, that was an OSHA fine. OSHA fine. That's and so it. there's no lawsuit or anything dealing with the family at this point? Um, there's nothing, nothing public, nothing public at all. And um, the fact that True Leave has that 80,000 uh, square foot facility, they pretty much saved their town, pretty mm -hmm. much. And, um, and so a lot of people were not speaking up about it. Um, the Massachusetts Cannabis Control wasn't really saying anything about it. And it wasn't until her coworker spoke out on Facebook and, and posted a, a memorial post about her on Facebook saying what happened and how he was like, I believe he was one of the ones that I rushed to the hospital, um, an advocate and, and lawyer um, uh, in, in Massachusetts, uh, pushed it out to Mike Crawford from, from the young jerks, a popular uh, cannabis podcast out there, news podcast. And um, he brought the stepfather and the, um, and, and the gentleman, Carson, uh, the guy that posted it, he brought him live on their show to talk about it. And that's when we all found out about it, nine mo uh, 10 months later in October. Okay, well, and I'm just quickly skimming through the article, Rico, and I'm not taking true leave off the hook, but it says, you know, when she complained of not feeling well and her supervisor said she could leave, she said, no, I'm going to keep working. Yeah, and um, I don't think, look, man, I'm not going to point fingers at one person or, or, or the other. True leave reported it immediately. Okay. They reported it to the state and they reported it to um, to OSHA immediately. OSHA did not say anything publicly about this at all. You know, uh, the MCCC did not yeah. say anything about it. 
at all. The MCCC wasn't even uh, um, um, wasn't even notified about it uh, by OSHA until months later, too. Why do you, Why do you think these agencies kept handling it that way, Rico? I mean, why would Why wouldn't Money. they? Especially with all the prohibitionists, though, why wouldn't Money. they just jump on it? Because they're getting oh. paid. Yeah, it's, it's money, taxes. Yeah, but what is? They're getting, they're getting they're getting tax revenue from that shit. You really think OSHA cares about the cannabis industry and keeping it running? OSHA is a government agency, and I guarantee they're getting paid like the other ones are. Like we talked about FDA yesterday. Guarantee they're all paid for play. Follow the money, Gretchen. You know how the lobbying uh, said you were works. listening to Rico earlier talking about all the money, Gretchen. I listened yeah. to him two seconds ago, but. Rico's five minutes of Gretchen listening to her is up. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, Yes. It is a tragedy. um, And I I feel really, really bad for the family. Feel really bad about the um, uh, the residents of Holyoke. um, That they have to bite their tongue around stuff like this. And this this is the downside. This is the negative side of of capitalism, right? If, If you have the cannabis industry, you look at the numbers, right? So Boston. Obviously, Boston is a globally known city, right? And Holyoke is not. But Boston has half the amount of licenses as Holyoke does, right? It revived an entire industrial town. If a death happens on the job there and and none of these workers are protected, they're going to do all that they can to keep that cash cow milk. So you're you're comparing cannabis now to like big coal. Why not? Big coal is dying. All these other industries are dying. But you see this big spike in cannabis and it's an emerging market, especially. So they don't have the um, um, uh, the legacy roots that California does. So they don't have a lot of uh, advocates and activists that are pushing back against this kind of stuff. And and I would be I would, I would, emerging market states that are opening up right now. They are at risk as well. Because they're not going to have the they're not going to have the clout from the the communities to speak out against stuff like this. Nick, Nicholas Wildstar, do you have some some on this comment, Nicholas? I see you unmuted. All right, seeing nothing. All right, we got to keep it moving. All right, let's do it. Hello, hello. Oh, oh there you are. Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I was just saying I agree with Jason on this one that uh, marijuana can't be or cannabis can't be. Re- connected to the relation of death because um, apparently it was caused by her asthma. Anything could have triggered that. She could have worked at a sawdust mill. You know, uh, shit. Anything in the air right now, as far as dander, if someone has allergies, it's going to trigger that type of um, asthma response. So who's to say that she wouldn't have died, you know, working somewhere else? So, um, in a poppy field, huh? Exactly. My point is, Nicholas, that we also can't prove that it didn't affect her. Well, just because you can't. Well, I mean, technically, if, if you want to charge someone with a homicide, you have to be able to prove that they were the cause of the homicide. Gretchen. I get it. But and just I think saying Dr. Mary will all these allegations out there consuming cannabis in different ways. And we really need to understand about how it's but having she, effects on people's bodies. But she doesn't consume cannabis on the work site in Massachusetts. But Just this saying. girl it was Just having saying. symptoms at the workplace and she talked to her supervisor and then she probably couldn't leave because she probably was having visions of getting her car and getting her apartment. And she really couldn't go home and not work. You know, I mean, 
there, she had very limited options. It's really a worker exploitation story. She should have been properly protected with good insurance that would allow her to go to the doctor or they should have a doctor in the company that she could talk to. I mean, even if they had a telemedicine system so she didn't have to leave work, you know, somebody could have given her the inhalers to get started, you know, and tell her to see somebody soon to get the testing. So she's, you know, she was sitting there aggravating whatever lung function problem she was having. And who knows if you biopsied her, you know, exactly what it was going on in her lungs, but she needed, uh, you know, she needed care a, a lot earlier than, um, than, uh, than she got it. That's for sure. And it's a, it's a, it's a real failure on many levels, but there's, there's no way that the particulate matter in the air didn't impact her breathing. I mean, I, and, and that's not to say that she didn't have a pet at home and, and a couple of people that smoked indoors or, or a wood fired stove to keep the house warm. God only knows, you know, how much particulate matter was in the air at home or black mold or whatever. But I mean, going to work and standing eight hours and too much particulate is, is um is just something that people used to do in the garment industry back in the you know yeah. turn of the century yeah. it's just not something that we does. just that we just brush off anymore you know we can't brush it off we take care of our workers in the united states right and, and um yeah just to, yeah, just to close it out i just want to uh just big send big love out to lorna mcmurray her family the entire massachusetts <laughs> oh man yeah, poor rico what the fuck, man? I'm yeah, showing yeah. on the we, we monitor. Gotta, we got to keep, keep, keep it rolling. We got to keep it going, Rico. We got to keep it going. Keep it going. No. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. All right. She's coming up next, she's a political strategist by day and a baker by night. A true female multitasker who can not only bake up a storm, but also knows how to make the sausage on Capitol Hill. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider. Taking off the apron and throwing it on her dogs is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. My headline is coming from Marijuana Moment, and it's definitely going to get Rico all warm and gushy. Uh, headline <laughs> is, despite congressional blockade, D.C. lawmakers filed marijuana sales bill with reparations funding for criminalization victims. Washington, D.C. lawmakers have filed a revised bill to create a regulated adult-use marijuana market, despite an ongoing congressional ban that blocks the district from enacting the reform. The legislation introduced by District Council Chairman Phil Mendelson and six other council members is largely consistent with an earlier version that received a hearing last year, but was not ultimately enacted, though it includes a new reparations provision to provide direct payments to people who have been harmed by cannabis criminalization. All right, I'm going to go through here the key provisions of this new marijuana bill. Adults 21 and older could possess, purchase, and gift up to one ounce of cannabis. They can also grow up to six plants, only three of which can be mature. The legislation calls for the establishment of an Alcoholic Beverage and Cannabis Board and the Alcoholic Beverage and Cannabis Administration to promulgate regulations and oversee the program. Regulators could approve licenses for cultivators, manufacturers, micro-businesses, internet retailers, retailers, and testing facilities. Retailers and micro-businesses could apply for endorsements to provide cannabis delivery services and operate on-site consumption lounges. Recreational marijuana products would be subject to a 13% tax, while medical cannabis would be taxed at 6%. 
There are several social equity components, such as requiring regulators to create grant equity and loan programs for the purposes of providing financial assistance, loan grants, equity, and technical assistance to social equity applicants. A cannabis equity and opportunity fund would be established to support people who have been disproportionately impacted by criminalization with entering the industry and operating their businesses. At least half of all license types would need to be reserved for social equity businesses. The reparations for victims of the war on cannabis fund would pay out people impacted by criminalization in amounts that are at least $5,000 and at most $80,000. The bill also mandates the creation of a community reinvestment program fund supported by 20% of marijuana tax revenue to address economic development, education, mental health treatment, substance use disorder treatment, non-law enforcement, violent pre violence prevention services, homeless prevention services, re-entry services, youth development, and civil legal aid. Regulators could set licensing caps, but they have to demonstrate that the result would not conflict with a goal to significantly shrink the scale of the illicit cannabis market and available evidence on the impacts of cannabis businesses on crime and property values. The Superior Court would be required to automatically vacate, dismiss, and expunge any convictions for marijuana-related activity that's been made legal, and the district would conduct an analysis on barriers to financial services like banking accounts for cannabis businesses and issue rules to resolve those issues. Again, this bill is effectively neutered under a congressional rider with lawmakers limited to holding hearings without being able to vote on its enactment, but that preparatory work could help speed up regulatory implementation if the blockade is lifted as part of spending legislation later this year. Uh, we shall see. Uh, again, of course, this all rides on the federal government taking away uh, the blockade to allow D.C. to run their own market. Um, I, I assume Rico would be very excited by the idea of reparations, um, but uh, it doesn't seem like the money's there yet either. That looks like funds that they're going to have to raise. So we shall see if any of this is going to come to pass. I'm not holding my breath. This is Gretchen Pride, 9 News. Gretchen, who are the lead sponsors on this bill? Mendelssohn. He, him by himself? This is D.C. City Council. Got it. So D.C. City Council is allowed to prepare regulations in case we ever get a market yes, up but and running. I thought I thought that the House of Representatives was basically um, their kind of like uh, city council and, and it is the only one that can allow them to um, facilitate an adult, adult use market space. There is currently a rider by your good friend, Andy Harris, mm -hmm. yep. that keeps retail uh, sales of cannabis from happening in the district. That's why we do not have an adult use market. See? Until that rider is taken out of legislation... <laughs> We are not allowed to have an adult use market. Got it. That's what, that's, I mean, that's I, I think, what I wanted I to lose you. I think this should go through, and I hope it does go through. It's and past city council, so all you need is Congress city. to allow it. Where are they going to get the money from, Gretchen? Taxes. Well, the, taxes the from all those lobbyists. Taxes. Is, is, is this going to be like that, that, that New York yeah, fund that they say that they have that they don't have? Well, part of it said the community reinvestment program, that's going to come from tax marijuana tax revenue. But they can't they can't get the tax revenue until this goes into effect, which they need the rider from the House of Representatives to go into. So therefore, they're not going to get no money. I'm aware. And then, frankly, not that I don't love Congress and everyone there, but I don't think they're going to get all warm and gushy over the word reparations when they're no, trying to decide they about not. opening up an adult use program here. A hundred percent. 
You're we'll see. so right. Now, is there any <laughs> um any any qualifications for people that can apply for reparations? Is there any stipulations of who know. can I apply and who can't? It does not say what. It does not say what would. Is this open to any American that wants DC reparations? Residents, DC move to the district. Prove that you've been hurt by the war on crime. I don't know what you got to do. I, I mean, most people that live in D.C. live in Airbnbs. No, yeah, right. It's, it's formerly Chocolate City back when I was down there. But now, you know, black it's people can't really afford to live there. City. I don't know what you're talking about. There's yeah, Black people can't afford to live there no more. Stop. I don't know. I do a bunch of work in D.C. And probably 80 percent of my work is done with uh, minorities. And when I do telemedicine, I take care of a lot of D.C. residents, which I which I but it seems like in terms of every state that I work in, I work in 17 states that it's highly polarized. I'll either have somebody who is clearly benefiting from generational wealth and a high level of education or somebody who is just getting by, you know. It's a it's a really weird place, I think. I mean, has that been your impression, Gretchen? There seems to be literally no middle class. It, it is a very you you would be correct. The, the actually living in the city, yes, it is very odd. I mean, I think the most you're gonna you're gonna find folks not northwest at all. Northwest is not a big uh, there's not a big minority population there at all, and that's the main quadrant that people see when they come to town. And so that's why Rico might have. Uh, this idea that it's no longer Chocolate City. But if you're hanging out in Southeast, Northeast, yeah, there's definitely a, a much bigger population there. But that's not where tourists go. They don't hang out there. Gretchen, have you ever been to a go-go? We got huh? to keep it moving. Yes, of course. Well, here's my main concern is, say this all happens, how are they going to decide who gets five grand and who gets 80 grand? Is it going to be eight, I know, nine, I'm a number of years in prison? And if that happens... I think there's going to be lawsuits left and right where somebody's saying, I deserve this much. And I deserve, I think it's going to be. Let the lawsuits go. I'm going to apply for this. Let it be our problem. How about y'all let it be our problem? Let us, let us figure that out. I'm going to, I'm going to apply for this, for this, uh, for the, for this reparations right here. And I'm going to use the address of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue because it's the people's house. Which it won't be, it won't be the first or last time white people (laughs) waste our time. Let us know how that goes, Jason. (laughs) It won't be the first (laughs) or last time white people wasting our time, Jason. Mm, we got we got to keep it moving though. Flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world? Then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX, located eight three three two Lincoln Boulevard, and open from eight a.m. to ten p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in LA and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention you like to get high at nine for ten percent off your full order. The thoughts and opinions and general overall shade thrown on the high and nine news are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship, and our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily offended person, this show is probably not for you. And maybe you should sign up for some reparations from DC also.
Oh yeah, you with us, Rico? Is he? You you here? You not with us? What's going on? Oh, is he all blacked out? <laughs> wow, audio and video problem. <clears throat> oh man, he's just—it's a rough, it's a rough, 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 rough day. Well, coming up next, she's an integrative medicine internist and two-time best-selling author. She's the CEO of Balanced Medicinals. That's right, it's Dr. Mary joining us from the NYC, y'all. She does the research and converts it into effective treatments, so you don't have to. When she's not treating patients with alternative medicines, she can be found on her video doing TikToks, cooking, or even walking up and down, strolling along the Upper East Side of Manhattan. That's right. It is Dr. Mary Clifton. <laughs> Thanks for the intro, Jason. I was late today because I had to take the dog to get his uh, haircut. We took him three weeks ago, and they sent him back all janky with some long hair on his back leg, mm. and his ears were all weird. So he went back early, and he looks so fine. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, boy. So I have big news today, big news that broke today. The FDA announced that it will not issue rules to allow CBD as dietary supplements or food items punting to Congress for regulations. The Food and Drug Administration says it will not be creating rules to allow the marketing of CBD as dietary supplement or food items, leaving the massive industry without regulations, despite repeated calls for administrative actions from lawmakers, advocates, and stakeholders. Following a, quote, careful review of the non-intoxicating cannabinoid, the FDA said it reached the conclusion that the existing regulatory pathways that are in place for other dietary supplements and food additives will not work for CBD. Instead, the agency said it wants to work with Congress on a new way forward. In the meantime, the FDA is also denying three citizen position, petitions that had requested rulemaking for the marketing of CBD. This announcement comes days after the agency released finalized guidance that focuses on developing cannabis-based drugs and outlined the process and unique considerations for scientists when it comes to hemp and marijuana. The FDA isn't saying that CBD shouldn't be regulated. Rather, it said that certain safety concerns and data gaps make it an administrative impossibility under the current standards. A quote from the FDA Principal Deputy Commissioner Janet Woodcock, a new regulatory pathway would benefit consumers by providing safeguards and oversight to manage and minimize risks related to CBD products. Some management risk tools could include clear labeling, the prevention of contaminants, CBD content limits, and measures such as a minimum purchase for aging to mitigate the risk of ingestion by children. In addition, a new pathway could provide access and oversight for certain CBD-containing products for animals. The agency's emphasis on working with Congress to address the issue legislatively comes as a newly seated chair of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, Representative James Comer says he is preparing to confront the FDA over their failure to enact regulations for hemp-derived products like CBD. A quote from Woodcock says, the FDA's existing food and dietary supplement authorities provide only limited tools for managing many of the risks associated with CBD products. And under the law, any substance, including CBD, must meet specific standards to be lawfully marketed as a dietary supplement or food additive. 
they they go through other you know positions that the FDA has uh, taken in the past and different uh, uh, and, and also noted the fact that they sent out five warning letters to companies uh, in November that sold uh, food and beverages containing CBD and that they and the FDA also recently touted its role in helping a state agency crack down on a company selling Delta 8 THC gummies which they said are linked to quote serious adverse events. So I was uh, back and forth, Gretchen, all uh, all day yesterday with uh, Michael Rashid from the USP, talking about this ruling that we expected to come down and what uh, and and what you know what would really be the best alternative here, because you know uh, it, she's right. You know Woodcock is right. Janet Woodcock is right that the FDA doesn't have. Uh, adequate uh, structure in place to manage herbal medicines under the dietary supplement guidelines. What we really need, in my opinion, as a country, is to embrace a, a herbal medicine uh, uh, arm where, and, and I, I think it's going to be nearly impossible for the FDA to not do it in, because we have psilocybin's coming, we've got cannabis and CBD and all the hemp-derived cannabinoids that have potential medicinal benefit. So we really need an herbal medicine arm to our FDA. And in Europe, we have the whole herbal pharmacopoeia, which is a very serious uh, 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 um, book, a, a huge book that contains all of the all of the plants that have herbal medicine potential. And in in Europe, you know, there's a whole arm of medicine that is uh, devoted to herbal medicine. But here in the U.S., we're just so far removed from thinking that anything other than Western medicine is going to treat you because of the insurance companies and big pharma's very strong lobbies. We can't really redirect the ship. So I think even though we do need to start looking at herbal medicine as actual medicine and treat it as such and, and define it and separate it so that it so that you can put structure around the regulations, I think where it's a long time coming. So I'm uh, Dr. Mary Clifton reporting from NYC, greatest city in the world. Oh, this is a well, huge, huge win. Huge. <laughs> For who? For cannabis, that the FDA is not going to do this. Because I, I disagree. I think it's just holding us back, frankly. It's okay for you um, to be wrong. Well, Jason Beck, we've known and we've seen by the balance of your uh, bank account that you've been wrong numerous times. Never. Um, however, uh, USP that you refer to, Dr. Mary Clifton, they put together the herbal compendium that is in Europe. And last year they did uh, put forward a profile for cannabis. Uh, and they had to do it through the herbal compendium because they can't do it in their regular um uh, I, I forget their, their regular uh, publications here in the U.S. because it is federally mm -hmm. illegal. Um, and it, it's just insane how much we cannot move forward on the science side of things. I mean, this is ridiculous. And I frankly, kicking it back to Congress, not going to get anywhere, frankly. It's no, I, think this, I think this is a major win. Major, major win. The person who's going to have this the strongest lobby is going to win and it's going to be big pharma and it's, and it's going to make it very difficult for anything yep. to move forward in a medicinal way. And Absolutely. that's why we need Congress to, to deschedule, but we also have Dr. Felicia Dawson coming up from the staging clubhouse to come bring some insight on this. What do you have for us, Dr. Felicia? Uh, hey everybody. I believe we talked about the infiltration of our government regula regulatory bodies with corporate interests 
and the FDA is no exception. Um, earlier last year, they put out a quote unquote continuing medical education activity that's warning conventional doctors about herbal and supplemental um, nutrients. And the, the vibe is that they're dangerous and you really shouldn't be directing your patients towards them. So there's a very anti-botanical move going on in the FDA. And I'm very disappointed that they did not take the time to try to develop some guidelines uh, because they, they have more expertise than our Congress does. I mean, the, the politicians are just in the pocket of corporate interests and they don't know what they're doing about medicine anyway. So this is a, is a, is a mess. I, I agree with Gretchen. This, they should have passed some kind of regulations on the knowledge that they do have and study the other things that they are, have questions about to get the answers. But I, I think that this is keeping the can down the road. And in the meantime, our citizens are going to be in danger of these unregulated products. I'm, I'm all good with kicking the can down the road. I'm totally confident and fine with that. Status quo. Kicking the can has done nothing for this industry, Jason. It's, it actually has done a lot for this industry because uh, you see what it's grown into industry. now. You should have seen how, how little it was when we first started. Talk about all the companies that can't sustain with complete lack of regulation. Well, that's because a lot the of them are run piss poorly. No, it's because they've yeah, been going years is. and years and years trying to hold on while our government does nothing. This I don't is ridiculous. No, 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 no. I'm going to disagree Congress with you on that is, one. Congress is just really not the the, the regulatory body that sh or or the 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 body that should be deciding this. Congress just we, needs to deschedule cannabis just and get it over with. Don't have the uh, knowledge that they need to have to make the right decisions, and they've got the wrong influences. It's uh. It's it's too bad. All it's going to do. Well, it's going to do exactly what Congress is going to be thrilled about. It's going to activate a whole bunch of lobbyists and then the biggest lobbyist will win. Oh, man, we got to run this at next ad, Adam. We got to come back. When you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sa H-O-P to see why our Terps don't lie. Oh, yeah. Rico, are you with us? You, you still frozen? Keep on he's still, moving. He's still, he is still frozen, 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 frozen. Well, coming up next, he's a blunt-blowing Fresno-based man for the people representing the black conservative voice whose existence Joe Biden would love to silence for even acknowledging it exists. Here to change the narrative, it is the governor himself, Nicholas Wildstar. <laughs> What's up? Legalizing cannabis does not increase substance use disorders or use of other illicit drugs and therefore is not considered a gateway drug according to a new study from the university of colorado boulder the study published on january 5th in psychological medicine said that despite many critics of legalization expressing concerns that cannabis is a gateway drug research found no changes in illicit drug use after a legalization 
Instead, it may actually reduce alcohol-related problems. According to CU, the study also found no link between legalization and cognitive, psychological, social relationship, and financial problems. We really didn't find any support for a lot of the harms people's, people worry about with legalization, said lead author Stephanie Zellers, who began the research as a graduate student at CU Boulder's Institute for Behavioral Genetics. From a public health perspective, these results are reassuring. Researchers from CU Boulder, the University of Colorado and Schultz uh, Medical Cannabis and uh, a medical campus and the University of Minnesota took data from the Institute for Behavioral Genetics and the Minnesota Center for Twin Family Research to study 4,000 twins. The twins came from Colorado, which was one of the first states to legalize marijuana in Minnesota, where recreational use remains illegal. Researchers found that identical twins living in states where cannabis is legal used it 20% more frequently. However, when they compared results and looked at cannabis use disorder, use of alcohol and illicit drugs, and psychotic behavior, the research found no relationship to legalization. Our study suggests that we should not be overly concerned about everyday adult use in a legalized environment, but no drug is risk-free, said co-author John Hewitt, professor of psychology and neuroscience at CU Boulder. It would be a mistake to dismiss the risks from higher doses of a drug that is relatively safe in small amounts. Additionally, the research found that the twins who lived um, in cannabis legal states showed fewer symptoms of alcohol use disorder. Currently, there are 21 states that have legalized recreational cannabis. This is Nick Wildstar, aka the governor, reporting with the High Nine News Hour. Speak now or forever hold your peace. I love this story, Nick, and I have always believed that the only gateway that cannabis is a drug for is a gateway to the refrigerator. <laughs> Even that's been disproven because people who smoke cannabis over their lifetimes maintain smaller waistlines than people who don't. It's just so perfectly safe. And I, I love it when another study comes up to support that, that other than these rare and unusual things and super unfortunate things that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Yeah, I mean, all the risk for family breakdown and not being able to maintain your job and having psychosis and you know, it's just not true. Mm -hmm. Very, very much so. Do you have any, any, uh, oh, Dr. Felicia has left us. I want to see if she has something to say, but, uh, you know, having a doctor's opinion on this is always very valuable. Dr. You just Mary, got one. I understand. I was just thanking Dr. Mary for that. You didn't allow me to even finish. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Louise trying to thank Dr. Mary for her insight. You know what I mean? For going to medical school for us so we could be edumacated. I got that diploma out of that Cracker Jack box. You know, oh, I had to eat yeah. a lot of Cracker Jacks. Lots of Cracker Jacks, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Lots of late night studying, you know, getting high on your own supply. Thanks for thanks for bringing this up, Nicholas. This is a great, this is a great article. It's just awesome to hear more data. And Minnesota, you know, uh, is a, they, they're legitimate. They mayo out there. They really keep themselves, uh, they, it, it's a respectable uh, place to go for, um, for a lot of medical research and the, and the medical care out there is very good. So it's exciting to see that they put their thinking caps on with cannabis and came up with this conclusion. You know, I think this is probably sound. 
having not reviewed the re reviewed the research article myself. Big shout out to Jesse Ventura and Incognito. Rico coming through Incognito <coughs> on Chrome and I'm coming through clean now. So it's about time. It's about yeah. time to finally fix it's, all it's that. Google, man. Fuck Google. <laughs> and, 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 and any thoughts on this? Oh, Cannabis being a gateway drug, Rico? Um, it's a gateway to happiness, a gateway to sobriety. A, a gate, it was a gateway. Cannabis was my gateway to getting clean off of opioids. Let's keep it that way. All right. All right. We're going we're, we're gonna to keep it moving. We have one big, big, big story coming up for you guys. This just came out. I know a bunch of people texted it to me this morning. And, uh, and uh, I believe, if I'm, if I believe, if I'm correct, just make Adam, Adam you, have a, you, have a, you have a picture to put up because we, we've thrown this up before. We're going to throw it up again. All right. I want you guys all to get ready for this. And this is from a press release from Cureleaf, and the stories came out on, on Benzinga. But what I'm actually reading is the actual press release from Cureleaf, just to be clear. Cureleaf Holdings Incorporated today announced the proactive closure of the majority of its operations in California, Colorado, and Oregon. Beginning this month as part of its continued effort to streamline its business, additionally in an effort to further optimize operations and reduce costs, the company will consolidate cultivation and processing operations in Massachusetts to a single facility in Webster, resulting in the closure of its Amnesty facility. Cureleaf expects to record non-cash restructuring and impairment uh, charges that will detail on its fourth quarter earnings call in March. Concurrent with these actions, the company has reduced its payroll by 10%, which when coupled with other cost-saving initiatives, it expects to realize $60 million in gross run rate expenses savings in 2023, exceeding its initial savings target by 50%. The company will exit production and cultivation facilities in California, Colorado, and Oregon, while these states have contributed to the growth of Select and other Cureleaf wholesale brands. The company acknowledges the difficult operating environment in these uh, in investment states and will instead place a lesser focus on cash generation in its core revenue deriving markets moving forward. Cureleaf began aggressively cost-cutting measures in these states in 2022 through facility closures and reductions in workforce. These adjustments were necessary for the future success and profitability of the overall business and were made as a result of recent legislative decisions, price compression, and lack of enforcement on the illicit market. For context, these markets contributed less than $50 million in revenue to Cureleaf last year, and Cureleaf expects that these market closures will be immediately uh, accurate or accredited to its adjusted EBITDA margins and positions and positions it for a robust, positive, positive-free cash flow generation in excess of $125 million this year as management executes on its strategic priorities. Mm -hmm. And there's a quote. Today's announcement reflects a decision that we did not arrive at lightly and one that makes sense for our business at the time, said CEO Matt Darren. We have a fiduciary responsibility to our shareholders to improve margins and fortify our balance sheet by controlling what we can in our business. 
We believe these states represent opportunities in the future, but the current price compression caused by a lack of meaningful enforcement on the illicit market prevent us from generating an acceptable return on our investments. We are confident that these moves made to improve our cash flow and margins are the right ones to bolster the future success and profitability of CureLeaf. Optimizing the existing portfolio in this way allows us to enter the 2023 in a position of strength and further enhances our visibility around continued margin expansion and highly profitable growth. We remain excited about our future growth prospects, both domestically and internationally, and now can devote greater resources to tangible growth opportunities in emerging markets such as Europe. Oh, boy. Cure leaf, cure leaf, cure leaf. What do you guys think about them exiting these states? It makes it's, sense. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. None of these big box um, MSOs, they, they can't cut it in mature markets. Period. There's no connection to the community. They've never done the work on the ground. And um, you're going to see, but what, like I said, you're going to see more shit like True Leave. It's going to happen in emerging markets, but I think the um, big box MSOs are going to continue to thrive in the newer markets. They, ba they basically just blamed everything on the illicit market and lack of enforcement well, thereof on. But it's also yeah. competition. I mean, the other states where they are are much smaller, limited licensed states where they can actually make some money. I mean, if you want to talk about making business sense, it does make business yeah. sense to stop wasting your money until the feds can come up with a real plan for legalization. Screw it. Get out thank, of Colorado. You, thank you, Gretchen. Thank you, Gretchen, for saying it's not the illicit market because it's, it's, it's not. It's the fact that they it's didn't have established brands. There, exactly. There's established brands in all those other markets and nobody gives a fuck about uh, a, a Cure Leave, True Leave or, or any of those. Uh, if they were smart, they would inject cash into the folks that are struggling and um, have sub brands. If, it, if they were making money in these states, then they would have stayed there. They're not. And, Move on. And fun, fun, interesting uh, thing. Alina Dorsey uh, just shared this in the in the in the clubhouse chat. She says the Cure Leaf is hosting a Spaces on Twitter tonight at seven p.m. and they may go deeper into their shipple in dropping out of those states. <laughs> Are you going to tune in, Gretchen, on Twitter Spaces and listen no, I to the Cure Leaf? Cure Leaf losing ass. I don't, get, I don't know why you think I love Cure Leaf so much. Um, Put up the image, Adam. Y'all you know, you know why, I, Adam. I saw. Y'all know why, Adam. Can't, can't, unsee can't unsee this. Ruski. Ruski. We're gonna. We'll open up. I, you know what? I, you know what? I think they're really. I think. I think why they really are running out of these states is because Abramovich said, "No more money, you guys. No more money for you." I mean, Cureleaf has been That's a terrible so employer, right? They were they were taking employee tips in Illinois and in yeah. another state, right? And they've I mean, and they've just they and they've been running off anybody who's trying to do any type of unionization. They're just they treat their workers terribly and 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 keep raising the uh, the bar for any type of bonus or benefit, you know, and and then make it impossible for the employees to get to that bar based on the per ticket you know, a, amount that's spent. They're just, they, 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 it'd be fine with me if they decreased in size and went away and, and made room for somebody, you know, that takes care of their people. I mean, enough is enough with these people who just rip off their workers and then, you know, think that, that as long, that it's okay to be a villain in industry. It's not. 
What about produced subpar products, Dr. Mary? On top of the subpar products. Yeah. I mean, the, the entirety of that company is unimpressive from top to bottom. They'll be, I think they'll, they'll, they will be fine on the East Coast. Well, there you go again, Ringo, doing oh. that same old internet. <laughs> Andy freezes. Yeah, oh. Andy freezes, frozen no. again. Yeah. Frozen? Yeah, you froze again. Let, let it go. 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 Oh, yeah. Let it go. Yes, that's right. That is that right, you guys. Um, I don't. We we don't have a, We don't have another ad, Gretchen. That was cute, but we are oh, about to. Up, I'm about to do that. I'm about to do that. I, under, I understand you got stuff to do. You got you know big hobnobbing <laughs> to go do on the hill and go see some of my friends over at CHC again today. But thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us today, Monday through Friday at nine a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our audience supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry thank you to all of our haters for always talking about us and thinking about us because we have the most immaculate pieces of property and fantastic housing in your head that we live in rent free and you're always welcome to come join us on us join us over there and come and sip some tea with us as long as you go pinkies up huge thank you to our sponsors true classic laxcc dna genetics ispire for helping us keep everything going Thank you to our correspondents for being absolutely amazing and showing up, making things happen. And thank you to Cannabis for giving us a reason to do all of this on a daily basis. Thank you to Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and Zaza Simone Brown holding us down in Clubhouse. And thank you all for tuning in and getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show. You got anything? It's frozen.